This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, December 3rd, 2007. I'm Caleb Brown. Do Federal Reserve monetary policy actions serve to bail out the markets? And do they raise moral hazard issues if they do? St. Louis Fed President William Poole says there's no moral hazard because there's no hazard created, moral or otherwise. We spoke before a policy forum on that subject Friday. What's the reason for the recent reduction in the federal funds rate after six months of fairly uh, strong growth and low inflation? Well, the FOMC brought the funds rate down at the September meeting and then uh, by 50 basis points and again the uh, end of October by 25 basis points. And the reason is the turmoil in the financial markets that has uh, led to um, increasing problems in housing finance and uh, some uh, stress for a number of financial firms, especially banks. So the idea was to ease some of the pressure and help to resume normal market functioning. What about the risks that it may create for inflation and uh, ever-weakening dollar? Well, we do have to be uh, careful about setting policy uh, and at the appropriate level, not overdoing it. In terms of the uh, impact on the foreign exchanges, uh, I think that's market determined and uh, it is not directly a target uh, or an objective of Federal Reserve policy. How does the Fed counter the idea that this was just a straight up bailout of the housing industry? I think the bailout argument is really misplaced. It's what my lecture is about this afternoon. And if the Fed is successful in maintaining price stability and high employment, uh, we have to adjust policy instruments as new information comes. And if we are successful in achieving those objectives, it will produce more stability, uh, more prosperity for everyone. So I don't think it's targeted to any particular industry at all. Housing industry is obviously particularly stressed. But I would not say at all it's a bailout. And it's certainly not a bailout in any traditional sense of uh, direct support for any particular builders or homeowners. What about expectations from other industries that the Fed may be paying attention to particular industries and may bail them out as well? Well, again, I'm objecting to the use of the word bailout in this context because... But in, in the realm of expectations, in some areas that expectation does exist. I, I, I read this argument and, uh, and I object to it because I don't think it's correct. And I use an example in my speech uh, as, a, as a provocation, as I say, to try to get our thinking straight. Uh, the Fed in the early 1930s allowed the economy to collapse. If the Fed had followed a more expansionary monetary policy, not only would the uh, economic uh, collapse have been avoided, but it would have been good for the stock market. The stock market ended up declining by 85%, and lots of firms went bankrupt because they had not hedged themselves against such a severe depression. Uh, it would not have, it obviously would have been a good thing if the Fed had followed a more expansionary policy and had been able to head off that economic catastrophe. Chairman Bernanke here at the Cato Institute announced that the Fed will be releasing forecasts by all 19 members of the Federal Open Market Committee of four key economic conditions on a quarterly basis out to three years. How does this, how do these new forecasts increase the transparency of how the Fed may react in the future? The argument for releasing this information is that uh, I think everybody who follows Federal Reserve policy closely 
understands that we are forward-looking. We try to be forward-looking as much as we can. So we are not just responding to the most recent data that always comes with a lag, but we are trying to be forward-looking. So the question that may help the market understand better what we're doing is to be more specific about the nature of those uh, forward looks, if you will. And uh, the best summary numbers are these uh, uh, numbers, the basic numbers on the economic forecast. And you can see that we're uh, looking out quite a ways ahead because we've got the projections uh, as far out as uh, uh, 2010. The St. Louis Federal Reserve Bank has been a leading proponent of the monetarist perspective of monetary policy. Uh, what's happened to this perspective? Well, monetarism, in in one respect, is very much a matter now of intellectual history, uh, because the big debates in the 1960s had to do with, uh, and where the term monetarism was coined, had to do with the debate over the relative importance of monetary policy and fiscal policy in uh, controlling the course of the economy, and in particular, the um, a whole bunch of propositions associated with Milton Friedman's name that there was no trade-off between inflation and unemployment, that inflation was costly, harmful to the economy, um, and uh, we had to pay attention to real interest rates and not nominal interest rates. And those, uh, those disputes have uh, almost all been resolved in the favor of the positions that were called monetarism at that time. The main thing that uh, has disappeared is that in the 1960s, 70s, Many economists, myself included, argued that the Fed should control its policy by focusing on money growth and uh, instead of interest rates. And that part is the, is the one part of the monitor's doctrine that is not followed today. We uh, control the short-term uh, interbank rate, the federal funds rate. That's the policy instrument. And by uh, moving judiciously uh, in as timely fashion as we can, uh, we can uh, keep the economy on a smooth path, relatively smooth path, certainly much smoother than we had had um, in the uh, 60s and 70s. William Poole is president of the St. Louis Federal Reserve Bank. This is the Cato Daily Podcast. You can read more on monetary policy at our website, cato.org.